Welcome to the Iron Society podcast, where we build men of God to become husbands and fathers that change the world. No man should have to struggle through life alone or lacking the tools they need to win and dominate life. Every week, we will bring you an inspiring and actionable conversation that will forge you into the man and leader God has called you to be. Welcome to the Iron Society. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Iron Society podcast. I am Cody Chapman with Nick Milligan. We're as sitting always. here, yeah, as always. <laughs> this ne- on our next episode, though, we're going to have a special guest. This is true, Gordon Braley. It's going to be dope. We had an amazing conversation in Black Rifle Coffee out of nowhere. So good um, about specifically um, setting standards, holding standards, and why they're so important. Because let's be honest, we all compromise on our standards sometimes uh, and we got in the conversation because there was a standard that i knew that i was not living to and i want to take to the next level and so i he just he started hammering me let's be honest well that's that's what guys need we yeah. need accountability we in need the nicest outside, way yeah outside perspective someone willing to push you yeah right and because what it got down to was is like yeah that's not your standard because this is what you're doing and I was like, you can I verbalize. love you and hate you at the same yeah, time. Yeah, because you can verbalize <laughs> the standard all day. Yes. Your actions and how you follow through yep. and holding that standard, yep. holding the line, as we yep. say, right, Yep, is totally different. Yeah. Anyways, that's, ne- that's next week. It's going to be good. We're going to sit down with Gordon. Uh, he's one of the Iron Society members. Uh, absolute stud. Absolutely. Former Marine, former like eight-figure business owner, business pastor. consultant, pastor. Like the dude is a stud. Love him. Um, so that's next week. But this week... We asked the Iron Society guys about uh, what some questions they had, because we want to do a Q&A, and we're sure that at some point you've probably asked these questions too. I don't know the questions. Nick has the questions. Just we, now looking at them for the first time. Just now looking at them. We looked at one and started talking, yep. and they said, hey, stop talking. We need, just need to press record. Yep. So I'm going to move my mic and sit back in a little comfier position. There we go. And uh, let's, let's get after it. All right. So let's start. These are some of the questions from the guys you guys get to be the benefactors of. So let's... Question one. What do we got? Here we go. Million. So discipline versus willpower. Which is better and when do you need each? Mm, discipline versus willpower. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? And real quick, disclaimer on all of these. Typically, people would call this kind of a thing like a Q&A. Um, I will call this a Q and O or a Q and R, right? A Q and O being Detail. question and opinion mm. or question and response. Cause I want to be very clear about something because the way I talk and you do this too, mm-hmm. right? We can very easily come across as like, whatever we say is the answer, right? Yeah. It is not scripture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for instance. So, so, and whenever I give answers about anything, I'm going to give like, most of the time with stuff like this, for example, I'll give my knee-jerk reaction. And then as we continue to talk about it, I reserve the right to qualifying or adapting my answer because I, I don't know about you, but I don't get things right on the first time all the time. Again, this isn't scripted, right? right. So yeah. it's not like we've thought through this and done a bunch of research and yeah. got all the things in a row. And, and you know, every, every answer we're going to give is going to be a answer that's from our perspective, from our, our experience, yep. yes. from you know, from what we've learned, from what we're gaining, and, and I will qualify that too. To grow. I will qualify that. My our answers are from our experience, which 
have produced tremendous fruit in our lives and in other people's lives. Mm -hmm, Have mm -hmm. people produced fruit with possible other answers? Yes. So, I mean, take it, take it or leave it. These are our responses. But when it comes to, you said discipline or willpower. Correct. Um, Yes. I would say they are different things that are often used in conjunction. Okay. So for example, discipline is having something that you are going to do and doing it, right? And I, but I also think willpower is what you use to carry out the disciplined action. To get it done. To get it done, okay. right? Some people think like, no, getting it done is discipline. I'm like, yes. And there is at, at some point, whenever you are being disciplined about something, you are going to have to exercise willpower. You're going to, right? And a lot of people just think, no, if you're just disciplined, you just do it. Yes, the doing it is the willpower part of discipline, yeah. right? So let's, let's use a, in a couple of easy examples when it comes to where these words are used a lot, mm-hmm. right? Training and nutrition. Sure. Okay, training. Um, getting up to go to the gym, you have to be disciplined to do that, right? Yes. And the thing is, is that, for example, us, we know that we're at the gym every day at 6.30. Correct. Right? We have the discipline of doing that. There are days when we are more tired because mm-hmm. we got less sleep mm-hmm. or we woke up and a little later, perhaps. And at that point, that is where some willpower has to be exercised of saying, gosh. And even for us right now, we're doing a cold plunge within 10 minutes of waking up. Yeah, right? all month. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like I woke up a little later, but I need my cold plunge. At that point, it is both discipline and willpower that will carry you forward, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now here's the, and this is where I believe where you can start to use less and less willpower. Okay. And it comes back to what we said all the time in the fire service is setting ourselves up for success. Absolutely. We have a framework currently that we are working within. We wake up, we get our cold plunge within 10 minutes, we, we, and we are at the gym by 6.30, Right. We had past discipline of setting up a framework that we can then use any willpower that we're wherever we have to in that process. Some people that have not exercised previous discipline to set up that framework, they have to start using willpower way before we do. Yeah. Because their, their willpower comes in of like, Oh man, or and their discipline is like, oh God, I don't even have a plan. I was just gonna say, I haven't even set myself up for success. Yeah, without a plan in place for you to execute, you've now got to make it up as you go. Yes, and that's where your feelings, your emotions, your energy level, your whatever outside or inside uh, voice or objective is coming at you, you've got to be able to withstand. Yes. Right. And so now you're instantly relying on that willpower aspect. Yes. And hopefully it's strong enough to carry you through. But how many times do guys alarm goes off and roll over, hit snooze and just stay in the comfy bed. Right. They're they're unwilling to, you know, continue because they didn't have the plan. Okay. This is what I do next. This is exactly what I do next. So on and so forth. And I think a part of willpower that people don't want to talk about is suffering. Like Mm -hmm. when you are exercising willpower, you are going to have to sit in discomfort and suffering, whether it's at a physical level or an emotional level. If you can sit in suffering and discomfort in that period where you are using willpower, the man who can do that better will win more often. And the man who can do that, I will say, who's able to sit and endure suffering Mm -hmm. is because he's not doing it for himself. 
He has a higher purpose than himself. Yeah. Because yourself will let you down. Yes. Every time. You will call it before you should have. Yes. Because you're like, oh, that's enough. Yep. Well, it was enough for you. Yes. But was it enough to save your child? Was it enough to be there for the brother that needed you? Was it enough to complete XYZ mission that's beyond your capability of of meeting your needs, but you're meeting the needs of other? Having that that higher responsibility will drive a man further. Yeah. And that's why for me. My protocol for like in my code for physical training, um, it is diligently. I will protect my, or I will protect and train my body, mind, and spirit to defend and fight for my values and one another. So me diligently training my body, mind, and spirit, the end goal of me doing that is not for me. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. to defend and fight for my values and one another. Yep. And oftentimes I think people don't exercise the amount of willpower that they need to, and they're not willing to sit in discomfort and suffer long enough because they don't have a person outside of themselves. And, and let's, we can actually tie this back to scripture. It's their why, yeah. Right? It, like for the, talking about Jesus enduring the cross, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And what was the joy set before him? It was all of humanity that he was paying for their sins and the penalty of what they have occurred or accrued. Yeah. It was the joy of knowing I am now paying this debt off so that we can be back reconciled together. Reconciliation, exactly. What Jesus suffered for, it wasn't for himself. No. He was the perfect spotless lamb. He did not need to do this. No, did not deserve it. He did it it for other people. And if men can get this through their thick freaking skulls, of the suffering, the discomfort, and the willpower that I am exercising is for somebody else. Yeah, to it, rescue them, to save them. It gives you yeah. that extra push. So, I mean, I, and I know that's a little, that's pontificating a little on the, you know, the fringes of what we're talking about, but I think discipline is the ability to put into practice what you know you need to do. Mm-hmm. And willpower is that second gear yeah. that pushes you forward when you just don't want to be disciplined. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, you've, you've got 15 reps or whatever exercise to do and you hit 12 and it starts to be more than you want it to be. Right. Yeah. It starts to be more difficult than what you want it to be, but you've already made up in your mind the discipline aspect that I'm going to be doing four sets of 12 or, or four sets of 15 or whatever. And you, you hit those higher numbers and all of a sudden it becomes hard. You don't stop going, right? If you, you need to take a quick pause or whatever, but you continue and complete the set because of what you've already established that, that then fuels your willpower yes. to be able to execute. And, and I will say too, I think discipline and willpower, the ceiling that you hit can be moved. Sure. So, and, and the only reason I say that is because there are some guys that look at themselves and if they were honest, they're like, my, I am not very disciplined and my willpower meter is very low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is not a fixed value. No. That can grow. You can move that ceiling over time. Absolutely. And it just, it's, it's very similar to progressive overload with training. Exactly. Right? Okay. I can only get 10 reps at, you know, 225, right? Over time with training, your ceiling of strength moves. Yep. And so if you find yourself in a position today where your discipline is not where you want it to be and your willpower isn't, it is what it is. It's just it, wherever, wherever that level is at currently, just accept it where it's at. 
And then you start to position yourself in places. And this is what I call controlled chaos. And it's what I do very frequently for myself. I will intentionally put myself in positions where I know I am going to suffer, right? This is controlled suffering. Mm -hmm. We got to work out in today and we've got them in the rest of the week, right? What have I done? This will be my fourth time doing it this week. I'm going to go put 40 pounds on my back and go walk for 40 minutes because I am intentionally placing more stress on me so that my ability for discipline and willpower and my ability to sit in discomfort grows. Guys that suck at handling stressful situations, it's just because you don't put yourself in enough situations in a controlled environment. Train for them. Yes, because what happens is if you don't train for it and you don't intentionally put yourself in discomfort and stress, what happens is your wife pisses you off and boom, there's a stressor. And because you haven't trained yourself how to handle stress, all of a sudden you make a mountain out of a molehill. Yep. And you lose your freaking mind yep. and you guys, you guys end up getting in an argument and a fight. Yep. So put yourself in more stressful positions. And to be honest with you, it's what we do to guys in the Iron Society. You know, like this month, we are embrace the suck challenge was it's a two minute cold plunge or cold shower within two, within 10 minutes of waking up. What we're doing is we're saying, and they, we're not doing it for the health benefits. There are health benefits to it. We're doing it to put you in a controlled state of chaos and stress so that later on in the day, when you face this, that, or the other thing, you're in your head, you're like, dude, I woke up and 10 minutes later, I was in freezing cold water. No factor. Yeah. I'm good. Yep. I, 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 I have the capacity for this. Yep. So I don't know. I think they are different things. They are used in conjunction. They can, the ceiling on those things can grow. Um, and you need to put yourself in positions where you, you require more of yourself. I think that's a great point because it brings it back to set yourself up to su- for success. Absolutely. Right. If, if you're struggling with, uh, whatever scenario that pops up that sets you off, the way to, to better yourself in that arena is to go be in that arena. Yep. Right. Put yourself in a controlled environment where that trigger is going to happen intentionally mm-hmm. and you're going to practice responding to it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we did in the fire service. You trained at the level that you're going to be capable of responding. You know, what was the saying? Uh, uh, we, we, you, you don't rise to the level of the, you don't rise to the level of the occasion. You fall to the level of your training. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, we train how we play. Yep. Right. Like I would even say you train harder than you play. Absolutely. So that when you do show up to game day, right. It's like, this is a walk in the freaking park. Dude. Right. Right. It's a walk in the park. Yeah. So you go through the evolutions of all these things that, are stressing you out that are testing you to see where your ceiling is at. Yep. Right. Let's see what we can actually do when pressed upon. Yep. When you're in the furnace, in the fire, how much can I handle? And now I know, okay, I can get to this level. Yep. Currently. There's my edge right there. That's where, that's my cliff. There's the cliff. Now, if I'm, you know, doing this on a consistent level, consistent basis, excuse me. And, I can go, oh, wait, wow, there's, there's a new level here that I'm able to obtain because I've begun to become accustomed to this extra heat, this extra yep. pressure, this, you know, now it's, oh, well, that was easy. So yep. I can do this. And that begins to transfer into other areas of life because you, you've got control. It's all a mindset. Yeah. For me, it's a mindset. Like when I sit down to bench, it's the only exercise that I growl a little bit yeah. before 
I actually pull the bar off off the rack. Like yep. I just get I know that the last few reps are gonna be difficult. They're a grind. Right? Especially when I'm progressing in yep. my weight. I know, you know, the first few are gonna be fine when I breeze through and all of a sudden it's gonna look a little tougher and yeah. a little tougher. And I'm presetting my mindset to go, doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm fucking I'm I'm getting this. Yep. It's it's happening. Yep. Right. Whether I need help to get the last few or not, I'm getting all the entire number that I've set before myself. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next question. Let's right. move on to the next question. How do you handle emotions with your spouse when you're not sleeping because of new babies? Oh, first off, I'll say it's not necessarily baby's fault, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I think he's just giving context. Yes. Babies, babies he's cry, babies wake up. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. So anyhow. Yeah. I mean, I've been through this six times. <laughs> um, for me, controlling your emotions, one, again, very similar to discipline and willpower, your ability to control emotions is a learned skill that you can get better at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, when people just always fly off the handle and, oh, yeah, I've just always been emotional. I can't control it. Like, well, yeah, because you've embraced the identity of being you know, a butthole that can't control his emotions. So how about, first of all, we change some identity things. Yes. Two, it is absolutely a learned skill of knowing your triggers, um, identifying. I mean, so much so that like when you have emotional emotions start to rise in you, there are different physiological things that happen. Okay. Um, your blood pressure will raise. Sure. Your, your pulse will increase. Um, so being very self-aware, like if you feel yourself just starting to get worked up, there are things you can do in that moment. Whether Step back, if nothing else. Step back. Yep. There are breathing exercises, like box breathing is one of the things that I do, right? Sure. I was taught by Mark Devine, a, I mean, the guy who owns Seal Fit. I mean, he taught me this 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, box breathing is the thing Navy SEALs do. Mm -hmm. Breathe in for four seconds through your nose, hold it for four seconds. Exhale through your mouth for four seconds, hold the exhale for four seconds. And you do a few rounds of that. It regulates blood pressure and pulse. Um, he also taught me something that the SEALs do called a tactical breath, okay. uh, which is in for three seconds, out for five seconds. Um, he, he taught it to all of his SEALs. Whenever they have a moment on a mission that was just super hard intense, yeah. they very quickly will do a tactical breath. It's just. I like that for the physiology that you just described, but at the same time, it gives you something else to focus on for a moment, yes. right? Re reset, recollect yep. your thoughts to where you're not just continuing down this horrible path, you know, like yeah. pause. All right, hold on. I'm, I, I can choose how I respond here. Right. Yes. Cause it is choice. It hundred percent is right. It, it still always boils down to choice. Yes. You have a choice to respond and react emotionally yep. or with, with a level head with what you know to be true. Yeah. Right. Your spouse says something or whatever, and you take it away that sets you off when may not have been what she was implying whatsoever. Yeah. Right. And if, if you know, if it's like, well, I can't control my emotions because I didn't get good sleep and it's my babies. Cool. Well, how about you grow a pair and accept responsibility? So stop blaming lack of sleep and babies for your emotional outbursts, right? That's, there's a part of this where you have to take ownership and responsibility, right? The human body is capable of more than we give it credit for at yeah. the end of the day. Like, bummer, you got four hours or five hours of sleep or whatever. I mean, maybe that's gracious, you know, Yeah. but that, that still doesn't, that is not what causes you to react poorly. That's Correct. the excuse you're allowing. Yes. 
for your poor reaction. Now, I, and I will take it a step further with saying, because I've been through this many times now, um, it does predispose you Absolutely. to your emotions running awry. That's your okay? circumstances. Yes. And so this is something, I mean, I actually learned from Tony Robbins years ago. No. Like the, I mean, he's probably, to me, he's the greatest motivational speaker Absolutely. on the planet. Yep. Um, Tony is very, very, his whole thing is if you control your state, you can control anything. It's intentionality. Right. But what he does is, is I, and I even do this in the mornings. It's a whole, it's a 15 minute priming state exercise that mm. I do in the morning. And part of it, the first thing he does is it's this type of breathing where it's very rapid in the nose and out the nose. And as you're sitting, you're pumping your hands up and down. Hmm. So it's like this, Interesting. and you do it like 30 times and then you sit for a second, you do three rounds of that. And what that does is it hyper oxygenates your body, okay. which in a low oxygenated state, your body will be more stressed. Also what it's doing is you're moving your body in a way where you are creating energy. So the other piece of this, because you're going to be predisposed, having lack of sleep and all of these things, you need to do things that control your state. Hmm. For me, when we, as we started having more and more kids, this is why working out in the morning was so important to me, whether I was tired or not, because I don't care who you are, you go crush a hard workout, your state is changed. Yes. Right? Your state You've is changed. You've created energy. You've created Literally. energy. You've changed your state. So for the person asking this of how do I do this, if you wake up tired, change your state. Yeah. Do some breathing exercises, do a set of 30 burpees and some jumping jacks, go get a cold plunge, change your state. Well, in physiology, and you probably speak better to this, but like you're creating, you know, these dopamine hits or, or yeah. adrenaline and so on and so forth. Like literally you're changing what's happening inside you to allow you to alter your current state. Yes. And this is why I've said for years, physiology influences psychology. Mm. And this is why I have always said I love that people want to grow spiritually. I love that you want a better marriage. I love that you want to be a better dad. This is why we place physical fitness on the front end of trying to fix those problems. Right. Because if I can get your physical body in a different shape and state and mode, you will show up to all those areas differently. It affects everything else because, because you've changed your state. Yes. So I would say, first of all, accept responsibility and ownership. Ultimately, it's a choice. Second, Change your state. If you wake up tired, that needs to trigger in your mind. I need to change my state because you are responsible still for leading your family. Yeah. Do you want to show up as the tired, pissed off, emotional dad? Or what if you went and took 10 minutes, you went and did a three minute cold plunge, you did 15 burpees and a hundred jumping jacks, right? And then after that, you're just doing some rapid breathing to oxygenate your body. I guarantee you that would maybe take you seven minutes. I guarantee you, you would be in a different physiological and emotional state after doing that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that that's going to last all day. And this mm -hmm. is where the discipline comes in of every time you start to feel that way, you need to change your state. This is why I started doing the afternoon rucks. Mm -hmm. It is not to burn extra calories. Mm -hmm. It is because I noticed my energy started to dip in the afternoon because of working at the computer and all of these things. Yep. And then the evening would come and I would just want to like lounge around, mm. right? And not go kick a ball or play some Frisbee or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I, I had the self-awareness to be like, okay, 
I'm allowing my physiology and my emotions to take me down this path, and my, but my kids need me to show up better. Yeah. So at 2, 3 o'clock, I'm going to go bust it, get my, get my blood flowing, get out in the fresh air, all of this. And you know what's happened every single time I've done that? Like last night after my ruck, we went, up, we went and shopped at Costco, got back, had tons of energy. Me and Uriah and, well, everybody in the family, we're doing a dance party in, in, <laughs> in the living room last night, yeah. right? And it's because I managed my state because I saw a pattern. And you just have to see these things and take responsibility for them and then adapt and overcome. I think that's a great way to say it even, just manage your state, mm-hmm. right? Manage your state of mind, manage your, your physical state. You, you're at, like, so, you know, maybe your typical routine is to work out in the evenings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to change that up, yes. right? Maybe you fast in the morning. Maybe you need to change that up. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not the right thing in this season, yep. right? Maybe you need to, you know, get some carbs in the morning to give you that quick boost of energy because you're going to go crush it real quick, yep. right? Before you start your day and set yourself up. Better. Yeah. And, and yes, it is you taking responsibility to manage your state because in that question, exactly how it's read, like, how do I manage my emotions when I have lack of sleep and from, ha- from babies, right? What you're doing is actually that question reveals what is managing your state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My sleep and my babies are managing my state. Yep. And, and what we really need to be asking, in, well, the, an- the true answer to this question is opinion. Opinion. <laughs> response. Is yep. d- like, yes, when you wake up, you, your state has been influenced by those factors. Yes. Now, take responsibility and, and you, you manage your state now. Yeah, I like it. That's my thoughts. All right, moving on. How do you determine what to eliminate from your life habits so you can be more disciplined? Ooh. I'll answer this question a little differently than, than it's asked. Okay. Um, because I think... Steph and I used to have this thing that we talk about with married couples all the time. And it was this addition and subtraction idea okay. of what do you need to, to subtract from your marriage? What do you need to add to your marriage? Right. And this comes down to family rhythms, routines, all these things. Sure. But I don't think you subtract. I, I've never thought that you subtract and add for discipline. Mm-hmm. You do it for outcomes that you desire. Mm-hmm. So for me, I always subtract and add based on an outcome that I am trying to achieve. Right. And if my habits, rhythms, and routines are not serving that outcome, I will add or remove things based on the outcome I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Right. And this comes down to people. This comes down to habits, routines. This comes down to what I listen to, what I eat, all these things. That's, that's course correction. Yeah. Your, your discipline is what takes you from A to B. Yes. Right. But what you're doing can be course corrected, right? Yeah. Because of outside influences yep. or whatever situation, circumstances you find yourself in, yep. you've got to course correct along the way. Yeah. Um, thus eliminating or adding to what your habits are. Yeah. Now, the discipline is how you execute those, those habits. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's a little and that's where distinction there. For this, I would ask this person back, I would say, well, to answer this truthfully and honestly in the best way I could, I need to know what you're trying to achieve, first yep. of all, in these different areas, because yep. then I can look at, and it's like a very simple example, right? Someone's like, hey, I'm trying, I need to lose 40 pounds. Sure. Awesome. Cool. Um, talk, to, talk me through all of your, your current nutritional habits, yep. right? 
Well, I wake up, I have oatmeal, eggs, protein shake. Oh, check. That's fantastic. Sure. Awesome. And at lunch, I take my lunch. I have this and that. On the way home three times a week, I drive through Taco Bell and get a few bean and cheese burritos, right? And then I have my dinner. Cool. Because the outcome you desire is losing 40 pounds, I'm going to subtract that particular action and replace it with something else or just remove it altogether, right? And even with that 40 pounds, um, okay, tell me about your exercise habits. Ah, well, I don't actually go to the gym very much, but I walk 30 minutes a day. Awesome. So I'm going to keep, we're going to keep the 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. We're not going to subtract that, but Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to add lifting weights for 30 to 45 minutes, three to four times a week, Right. right? And what we've done is we've subtracted and added things based on the desired outcome. Right. So you have to know the desired outcome that you want. Otherwise, you're just going to start taking things away and adding things arbitrarily. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes total sense for, for the outcome, you know, to, to flip this and address what he's talking about as far as to be more disciplined. How does one be more disciplined? I, 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 to me, it's just choice. Well, I, and it's your why. Yeah. I, why I, are you making said choice? And this is where I, I, I was, I've been on a couple podcasts with some guys recently, and we've talked about this. And for me, I'm like, you, you have to, like, why do you want to be more disciplined? And what are you trying to be more disciplined at? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the thing is, just saying I want to be more disciplined, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, if, if, if you're not attaching any other context to it, yeah, it, it's like okay, you want to be more disciplined. Uh, cool with what, right? And yeah, it, it, or does that just mean consistent, or does that mean have better outcomes? Or yeah, the the you know even Jocko's you know discipline equal, equals freedom. I know you've got kind of a take on that. Yeah, you know that's yes, that gives you freedom, but at the same time you've got to be disciplined in the right areas. Correct. Yes, and I one of the things that I've done, and this might be the answer this person might be looking for. Um, if you're just trying to be more disciplined and you already know the outcomes you want, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've done for like coaching clients in the past is I've done what's called a time audit. So I have a PDF that I send them and we adjust the times based on their wake up time and their bedtime. Okay. And in 15 minute increments, they fill this sheet out with what they are doing in that 15 minutes. Mm. Because what we start to find is, okay, you woke up at six o'clock. And then you just sat on your butt for 45 minutes, scrolling Instagram, drinking your coffee. And you've always called that, ah, that's just the time I'm waking up. Yeah. Right. And then, okay, from there, you go into another thing, you go shower, you kind of, you know, dink around with the family for 45 minutes, then you go to work and your work drive, you know, you drive to work is 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. We just get all the data. Sure. Of, of, uh, and we do three days because three days typically will give us a generally a good idea. And then from there, what I would do with those people, okay, cool. What we're going to do is we're going to start to hone in how you are using your time. Because listen, the most successful people in the world get the same amount of time as you do during the day. Yep. They're just leveraging it differently. Yep. So, okay, cool. On that drive to work, what do you do on the drive to work? I just listen to the radio. Cool. You're going to sign up for an Audible account. Yep. And on the way to work, you're going to turn your car into a classroom and you are going to listen to a personal development book there. Boom. Now, what we just did is you're going to get two and a half hours during your work week of edu- self-development education. Boom. I guarantee that's going to make you better. Yeah. Right? You're increasing your efficacy. Yes. Ultimately, right? Yes. Like you are becoming a more efficient human with your time, with intention. Yes. So if you're asking about specifically 
you know, how do we just become more disciplined with our time? A time audit is how you will do that. Yeah. A very, very honest, accurate assessment of how you're using it. And I always do 15 minute increments. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can just literally in a notebook just, or in your phone, just start writing down what you're doing every 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and then go back and look at that. And most people are, you know, self-aware enough to be able to look through that and remove the things that they can tell are wasted time or not efficient or productive for the outcomes that they want. Um, And then what you do is you just replace it or add in things that ultimately just get you closer where you want to be. Yep. Yeah. Check. So. All right. How do you model excellence for your kids when you're still learning and growing? How do you model excellence for your kids when you are still learning and growing? I think that's, that's an interesting question because it, it almost alludes that there's a point where you stop learning and growing, and that's false. Yeah. You should be always learning and growing. Now, my assumption is, is he doesn't feel adequate at times yeah. in front of his kids. Yeah. And that, and, that, and that was the first thing that went on in my head. And so whoever asked this, I would, first of all, look at this individual and be like, you just need to chill on yourself for a sec. Like give yourself a little grace right now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yes, you're not where you want to be, but you are probably much farther along than you used to be. Yep. So let's just like, let's celebrate that for a sec. Here. And, and when you do mess up, especially in front of your kids where they actually see it and recognize it, be quick to repent. Yes. Right. There is grace. So repent and not just a, Oh, I'm sorry just a haphazardly, oh, sorry, you caught me, or whatever. It's feel the weight of what you messed up, of your sin, and change. And not just, quote-unquote, change in this ethereal thought, you know, I'm going to change. It's, no, you've identified an issue. How are you going to attack that issue? How are you going to put sin to death? Yeah. And I I would also say, how do you model it? Um, I would, one thing I've done with my boys specifically, and I say my boys, I mean, my three bigs, because they're, you know, almost 13, 12, and 10, um, I have started to bring them along on my journey more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't happened a lot in the past couple of months since we moved, but I mean, they were at the gym with me every day for a good six months, you know? Um, it's why we do family Bible time together. It's why, I mean, all my kids cold plunge with me now, and they'll even go cold plunge without me now. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, Bring them along in the journey. The things that you're doing to pursue excellence, I don't care how young your kid is, just bring them along. Even if they're sitting on the freaking floor in front of you watching you pursue excellence, bring them in the journey. Yeah. Um, there, there was a study done. I can't, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was maybe a decade ago, but it had to do with children growing up with more healthy habits that viewed their parents exercising. Mm. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I started bringing the kids with me to the gym was because it's one thing to know dad goes and does this. It's another thing to be in a position where I'm watching dad do this. And even farther than that, I'm doing this with dad. Yeah. They're always watching. They're always listening. Always Right? What are they seeing? Yeah. Are they only ever seeing you on your phone? Mm -hmm. And maybe you're reading the Bible. They don't know that. They don't know the difference. Right? You just They just know you're on a screen. Yeah. And then yet you're telling them you only get so much screen time a week or, yeah. or whatever. And it's like, well, you're always on your phone. So what are you modeling? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, I just think modeling, modeling excellence in front of your kids, first of all, it's a full-time job. 
Oh, yeah. You're never off. Yep. Because they're always watching. Yep. Um, and being clear, because you can't, here's, and this is just the reality. You're never going to be able to model all of excellence 100% of the time. You're not Christ. Right. <laughs> so deciding on in this season, this is the attribute of excellence I'm pursuing and I'm going to bring them in on the journey with. Right. And that goes back to like me taking my boys to the gym with me. Right. That was granted. They saw me doing more than that, but they, that was a specific piece that I identified. This is a piece I'm intentionally bringing them along the journey with yeah. in this season. So those are, I don't know. So my thoughts check Moving along. How do you manage your temper when you're stressed, tired and overwhelmed? I, I, that kind of goes along with our, the previous question about the emotions, right? Yeah. Baby and less sleep. Yeah. And, and one thing I would ask, I, I mean, we'll add on to this and we kind of said it when we answered the other one, like when you're tired, stressed and overwhelmed. Okay, cool. So why are you tired? What are you stressed about? And let's talk about what, what you're overwhelmed with or why you're so overwhelmed, right? Because some people get overwhelmed simply because they've procrastinated on certain things or they haven't done the hard things to address certain things. And so it just piles up and all of a sudden, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, well, hold on a minute. Are, is this an acute bout of overwhelm or is this overwhelm a result of you just not doing the things you had to do for the past two months and now you're overwhelmed, right? Because yeah. saying you're stressed, tired, and overwhelmed, I can be stressed. I, you know, like... All of a sudden we got, we hit a deer a month and a half ago, yep. right? It put some stress on us with our car. Yep. That was an acute incident. Mm -hmm. It was not like, oh my God, mm -hmm. like we haven't done oil change in our car for four years and our car blew up. I'm stressed now, mm -hmm. right? There's a difference in those, what has led to that stress. Yeah. And, and same thing with being tired and overwhelmed. Why are you tired? Are you tired? Cause you sit up on your phone all night and you know, or you haven't prioritized X, Y, and Z. So there's a lot of questions that like this needs to be qualified with because asking the questions for that, there's some tactical things I think with this that you can do, but then also going back to what we answered earlier about being, you know, tired and emotional with kids, at the end of the day, you have to manage your state and you also have to manage what got you in your, that place that you're in right now. A preemptive strike. Yeah. Ultimately, right? Yeah. Like you you are setting yourself up for success, like we talked about, but yeah. you're intentionally, you know, seeing what's happening. You, you've ex you're now experiencing consequences. And so now it's time to learn, right? Yeah. Now, you, now it's time to pay the tuition and go learn what I need to do to avoid these situations, these circumstances, these consequences that have been happening and continue to happen. Now you can't prevent everything. Like, like Correct. you said, you, you hit a deer, like uh, sometimes that's unavoidable, yeah. right? But yes, you can do the maintenance on the vehicle to help ensure that it doesn't break down on the road trip or what mm -hmm. have you, right? There's, there's elements that you can control, so control the controllables. Yep. Outside of that, it is what it is. Yeah. Stuff happens, right? There's another term for that, I believe. Forrest Gump evidently quote, <laughs> yeah. created. Yeah. I don't, you know. But point being, you can always learn from what's happened. Yep. And make adjustments. Again, yes. back to course correction. You have to adjust, identify what you're... Now, his first part of his question is, how do you manage your temper? If we just took off all the qualifiers, what would you, what would you say to just that? How do I better manage my temper? 
Um, temper is brought out by triggers and previous trauma. Um, a temper is not just a thing that comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? We see this even in toddlers and infants, mm-hmm. right? We, they don't throw temper tantrums for no reason. It's not just like out of nowhere, they just lose their freaking mind. There was something that triggered an emotional response. They got in that. frustrated because they weren't either capable of doing something or allowed to do something. Correct. Or they were uh, told no. They didn't get their way. Didn't get their way. Right? All of that. Yeah. So con- when it comes to controlling your temper, I always, okay, I think about trauma and triggers. Right. Okay. And if somebody is constantly, constantly losing their temper with a specific trigger and it is a consistent thing. First of all, having the self-awareness for that and starting to process that, like why does this cause this reaction in me? Mm-hmm. Right. And typically you, you have to go back like, and this is, this is the kind of work that guys just don't like to do mm. because they think of it as therapy and they're like, Oh my God, I don't, if I, if I admit I need help with this, then it means I'm broken. And I'm like, well, you're broken already, dude. It's not like you have to admit it. You are, right? Like, you are. You live in a fallen world. It's yeah. just a fact. Yes. So, but if, it's, if, if, if it is repeated over and over and over again for years and years and years, there's some kind of trauma somewhere back in your history that has caused this to be triggered that will then cause you to lose your temper. Which um, I would argue nine times out of ten, I'm just picking a number. Yeah. There's an, it, it's an insecurity issue. What, what angers a guy is that he's disrespected, mm-hmm. right? Or, or somehow this insecurity aspect is, is there, right? Because yeah. I don't care who you are. You, you could be the baddest mofo on the planet, and you yourself are still dealing with your experiences in a way that can cause you to go, am I good enough? Yeah. Am I, am, am I what I need to be, right? Which that's a healthy thing to wrestle with because sure. you need that tension. You yeah. need to be able to push yourself to continue to strive to grow and become better. But, but at the same time, you can't fall into that condemn, condemnation, right? Yeah. And, and allow the insecurity come in. And ultimately, the enemy lie to you and say, no, you're not good enough. And, and so when you have somebody on the outside say something that causes you to go, oh, I am, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm failing here. I'm somehow, you know, like, I think a lot of guys will, instead of, I think it's a, it's a defense mechanism, right? Instead of going and taking that, that criticism or whether it's, you know, criticism or or worse, you know, just not just critique, critique, but like intentional shame or whatever. Like it's just this defense mechanism to just get angry. Yeah. Right. It's, it's push away. I'm not. I'm not going there because I don't want to deal with that. The mental space, yep. That 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 the effort and the you know energy that's going to take to deal with. I'm just going to tell you to back off mm-hmm. by me being angry, and that just deflects the situation altogether. Yeah, and I mean the the times I and I'm I'll speak for myself. The times that I lose my temper, which you know, it's not all the, I mean, it's not a, an incredibly frequent occurrence, but mm-hmm. there are things that just piss me off and I'll get a little miffed about it or here and there, or, yeah. you know, short with my kids about this or that every freaking time, every time it comes back to you're inconveniencing me or I'm not getting yeah. what I want oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Taking too long. 
Yeah. That's my thing. Like, it's <laughs> like, don't tell me the whole story. Just give me the, give me the bullet points. Let's, yeah. let's get through this, make a decision and go. Yep. And it's because we are not getting what we want mm. or how we want it in that so there's moment. A, there's a layer of selfishness there, ultimately. Absolutely. It's absolutely selfish. Yeah. I mean, most of the time people lose their temper. I, and I would, I would challenge this person to think like, how is it in this situation or situations where you are losing your temper? Um, <laughs> what is it? What selfish desire is it that is not being fulfilled that you need to be a little more selfless about? Because in the book of James, I believe it's James, it talks about where do these quarrels and fights come from among you? Mm. And it literally goes on to say, they come from the selfish desires within. Fights and quarrels or tempers or whatever, these things will always rise when there is some selfish desire that is not being met. This is, this is why fights and arguments exist in marriage. Every single time mm. there is a desire in one of the spouse, spouses that is not being met that is an expectation that's not being met that has to do with selfishness. At the end of the day, it's not being met in some form or fashion. And so you get pissed. Sure. That is, I, I challenge somebody to bring up some kind of fight or argument they have had where I will not be able to find the selfish desire or expectation in you or your spouse that caused it. Uh, I agree 100% because, I mean, think about it. If you are actually in a place of humility where you're pouring out, you're serving, right? If you're only ever providing something for someone else, like you, there's no way for you to be hurt or be frustrated or yep. be disappointed or whatever, because you're, you're not focused on what you're getting out of it. Yep. You're just focused on giving, yep. being, a, being a blessing, serving. Servants have no rights. Sure. Yeah. And this is yeah. where if you, like what we say in the Iron Society, we, we like every man needs to become a savage servant. Yep. Right. If you understand your position as servant, you have to also understand servants have no rights. Right. Servants for hundreds and thousands of years get, guess what they didn't get to do. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have it done this way. Here's my thoughts on this. Um, can, can I talk for a moment? Right. Like, actually, I think we're doing this wrong. It's no. They shut their freaking mouth and they did it. They, they did not have an opinion. They did not get rights. They did not have it their way. It was whatever was dictated to them. That is the way they did it. Now, in a marriage, we have to understand that in the full healthy context. But if you are approaching things from a servant's heart, you should be so less offendable in that moment. And, and, if, and that will translate into your temper. Well, imagine if both, spouse, both spouses had that mindset. Oh, thousand percent. They're only ever serving one another. Amazingly, each of their needs are met. Well, and scripture actually tells us that it talks about, um, outdoing one another in showing good or mm -hmm. in honor, mm -hmm. um, th thinking about others needs above your own. If both spouses are doing that, you know, the incredible thing, if, if both husband and wife are looking out for the other's needs above their own, you want to know what happens? One, you can't get miffed Two, each of you will still be taken care of to the highest extent. Yep. Because you know the other person has your back. So, next question. Amazing. All right, here's one. How do you tell the difference between a habit and an obsession? Uh, I, would, I would say it all has to do with desire. Okay. Um, 
I have the habit of going to the gym every morning mm-hmm. because I've set that habit. Mm-hmm. Um, an obsession is something that you start to have the desire to do it in context that just would not make sense. Okay. Um, the, one of the easiest ways, I mean, one of the easiest things to point out with this is porn. Um, there is a difference between having a habitual cycle of porn and, and being legitimately obsessed with it because some guys that have, you know, just random infrequent use of porn, I would say you've just allowed yourself to have the habit of watching porn right now. There are other men that you literally crave and desire it. I would call that you are obsessed with porn Mm. because there are, you're at work sitting down, doing your job. All of a sudden you're like, I feel like seeing some boobs right now and watching some people have sex. That that's an obsession. That is some, that is an ungodly obsession and desire that is in you. That needs to be absolutely killed. Yep. Um, so the difference in my head, I, I mean, I can see it in my head, how habit and obsession are different, but I think a lot of it comes down to the desire and the context of that desire. Yeah. I mean, the word addiction kind of can be thrown in with these other two words as well, right? Yeah. There's, there's an element there that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, but obsession, I feel like, can be sometimes tied to someone's identity, right? Or, oh, absolutely. or the fact that they haven't clarified their identity well, and so they get into this thing. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, sure. maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm a separate with shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I want to go do is go sling arrows or put some rounds down, downfield, yeah. downrange. Like, <clears throat> but, but when that activity becomes more dominant to where it's overtaking responsibilities. Yes. Right. It's just always on your mind. It's, it's just, it's, it's the only thing you're really thinking on and dwelling on and you begin to neglect other areas of yes. your life, specifically yes. your responsibilities. And or just, you know, other, other enjoyments for that matter, right? Like when, when you don't have time to go, whatever, walk the dog, I don't yeah. care. Like when, because you're only doing X over here and you're sacrificing everything else, like you, you can't make it to church on Sunday because, you know, all, you know, all I'm focused on is getting my kid into, you know, college on a, on a yeah. baseball scholarship. Yeah. So as a family, we're, we're doing tournaments and all the things all the time, all year round. Yep. Uh, to me, that's obsessive. Yeah. And, and, and obsession is also a great thing, by the way. Indeed. I mean, because there's two sides of obsession, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. And it all just depends on what the focus of your obsession is. Yeah. Right. And, and there are those people that that's exactly what, if they are that clear on what they want to do and what they're trying to achieve and who they are, the greats, you know, that are, that have changed the world, absolutely were obsessed. Yes. Anyone that becomes a top tier performer or a high achiever in any area, they have to be obsessed. Yeah. You can't get there without being obsessed. What was uh, the book we were reading, Da Vinci, right? How he, to become the sculptor he needed to become, he knew he had to study the human anatomy in a way that was very hands-on. Yes. And what he did was he went and, Oh yeah, he did more some, autopsies than like corpses. any of the doctors. Exactly. Yeah, and he did more than anyone, mm-hmm. anybody in the medical profession. Yeah, just so he could sculpt 
better. Yeah, and I don't think it was That's Da Vinci. Obsession. I think Not it was like Da Vinci. Uh, Michelangelo or it was somebody. One of those dudes. One of the ancient greats. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, yes, that's the other thing. So I think obsession has to do with it's just always on your mind. It is like it is a driving force in your mind, in your life, in your schedule. But for it to be good, you better be really clear that's what God's calling you to, in my opinion. For sure. If, if, it's, if it's truly what he's called you to do, that was your purpose here on earth. Yeah. You better be really clear about that and still have to balance that with your responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Just because you know you're supposed to do and, and fulfill X doesn't mean you neglect your wife and kids. Yeah. It doesn't mean you, you know, pass the buck on, on yeah. the things that you Well, I mean, it's like what I, I posted the other day. I was like, look, hey, guys. If you have spent more time scouting for your hunting trip and you're about to spend more hours in the mountains hunting this season than you have dating your wife, your crap's broken, dude, yep. right? And, and that, to me, is an unhealthy obsession because, and I'm not saying you can't be all about hunting. What I'm saying is, is that if your marriage is not at the place where it's at and you have this inordinate and like percentage wise, you're just doing this other thing way more than what is actually important for eternity's sake. That's where I would look at it and say, that's an unhealthy obsession. Yeah. Like, because these other things that matter are getting less than they deserve. Yep. But ultimately I think a habit is something you're like, Oh, this is a habit. Boom. I go do it. Right. Um, an obsession. It's just, it becomes all consuming. Consuming. Exactly. Either, either positively or negatively. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Why is identity so important? And can you show some or give some biblical examples? <laughs> you said the I word. It's go time. I you like this one. Um, yeah. I mean, so why is identity important? Um, I believe everything stems from it, right? You know, your identity forms your beliefs, your beliefs form your thoughts, your thoughts form your actions, your actions form your habits, and your habits ultimately form who you become. And it all starts with identity. Such a great line. Um, it, I mean, it's, it, it is the flow of how things work. Yeah. And most people want to work at that top level. They're like, I'm going to try to change my habits and my actions. I'm like, well, I mean, you're going to have to exercise a whole lot of that willpower we were talking about because you're going to have to override the system of whatever identity is running in the background. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It, and you can do it. You can do it for a certain period of time. For a time. But it's, it, it is going to become wearisome and burdensome work. Because you're not able to replenish. That willpower will run out. 100%. It's only, if it's not rooted in who you are, yeah. that willpower is not infinite. Yeah. And that's where you're not continuing to build it. And that's where you'll fall back to your identity every yep. time. Like, right. I mean, there, there's a guy, um, I, I've been talking with and for a while who's, I mean, been addicted to porn for like 16 years and I mean, he'll go a day or two without it and boom, always runs back and boom, always runs back and boom, always runs back. And he's like, ah, oh, man, I got to beat this. I'm like, dude, no, there's some part of your identity that you're still holding on to where you see yourself as an addict and you, all the willpower you're using, you just keep falling back to your identity. You think There's, you need it. Yeah. You think that's what you need to be happy, to find enjoyment, to whatever, right? Yes. But at the end of the day, because it's not who you are, it's not who God created you to be. Yes. It's not true. Yes. It's a lie. Yeah. And so as far as biblical examples go, okay, let's rock and roll. Um, Abraham, right? Married to Sarah, I believe her name was. I'm not a biblical scholar. Sometimes I get these names all mixed up, especially in the Old Testament. 
Um, no kids, super old, right? Totally bummed about it. All of a sudden, God comes to him. Yo, Abraham, gonna make you the father of many nations. He's ha. like, he's like, ha ha, yeah. good one. Good. And even Sarah was like, yeah. whatever, yeah. you know? Um, and what God did in that moment was he called something that wasn't at, as though it was. He gave them an identity to grab onto that did not match his current circumstances, but did prophesy essentially what was going to be. And there's power in, in words, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and there's power in identity. Yes. And so when, when they finally wrestled with that and accepted that, we then see in the future, boom, all of a sudden, way different than your past. Yeah. Right? Because they grabbed onto an identity. Yeah. Gideon. Mm-hmm. Judges chapter six, threshing wheat in a wine press because he's scared because the Midianites are ravaging their land. And normally you would thresh wheat on a hilltop because then the chaff would blow away and you'd be left with all the wheat kernels. He's doing it in a wine press because the Midianites are just wrecking it all. He's a coward. He's a coward. He is literally doing a cowardly act by hiding and doing this in a place where he hopes he won't get caught. Yeah. It says an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, mighty man of valor, right? And he's like, ah, oh, well, if that means if God's so good, why is all this crap happening? Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like the Lord said, go in the strength of yours. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back. And he's like, listen, I am the weakest in my family. And my family is the weakest tribe in all of Manasseh. He just said, I am the least of the least. He's identifying he's identif- as. It is very clear where he sees his identity. Yeah. And just previous to this, he is given this identity. Two different things. The mighty man of valor go in the strength you have. Mm-hmm. Then when you see him actually trust the Lord and listen to what he's saying to him. Adopt that identity. Adopt it. You then see all this crazy stuff start to happen, right? He just goes and throws down. Yeah. And then even, I mean, you look at Jesus, for example, mm-hmm. right? And this one, I, okay, I'll just be honest from the get. I mean, there's, 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 you know, some stretching going on here to make it fit, but it still fits. <laughs> but you look at Jesus. Right. And in his entire, you know, 33 years, right, on earth, Mm -hmm. where did all the miracles happen? Where did all the ministry happen? Where did it all happen? Not like location. I'm talking time wise. Where did it all happen? In the last three or something? Last three years. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the one event that sparked it? His baptism. His baptism. He goes down to get baptized, comes up. You have to see the, you see the sun there. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The Father's voice comes out. Yep. This, is my son yeah. in whom I'm well pleased. Yes. Spoke identity over him. Mm-hmm. This is my son. Mm-hmm. Verbally out so everyone could hear it. Mm-hmm. Then you see he gets driven by the spirit into the wilderness, right? The first temptation was not what everyone thinks it was. The first temptation from the enemy was if you are the son of God. Right. That was the first thing. That, that's the first thing he tempted him with yep. was getting him now. Challenged him on. Challenged him on the identity the father had just yep. spoken. If yep. you're the son. Verses later, he said, this is my son. And then verses after that, the enemy comes, if you are the son. He challenged him on this identity. If he got him there, he stops him. 100%. Right? Absolutely. If you can steal a man's identity from him, yes. you've crippled him. Yep. And, and this is where we always say, hell will always fight you over what heaven calls you. Mm. Right? And it was from that moment forward, from that baptism forward, that's where you start seeing all these miracles, these yeah. people being raised from the dead, the blind healed, the lame raised, all of it. It all came after this place 
where God was very, very open and vocal about this is my son. He spoke this identity over him publicly. Love it. I don't think that's a stretch. I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's, you I know, mean, some people out there just be like, oh, well, actually, Coney, um, actually. Uh, sure, sure. I'm like, okay, end, whatever. At the end of the day, God became man, right? Yes. He laid down his powers yes. to live humbly as a man, right? Emptied himself, scripture says. Correct. Chili con carne is what I always remember. <laughs> what? Because he became flesh, which in the it, it's in the Greek or whatever it's carne. Yeah, right. Like, and I don't know why I equate it to chili con carne, but <laughs> oh god, it's, it's what works for me. So, yep. yep. Remembering that he came in humility, right? Part of it, he could have rode down, hovered down, flown down, oh, appeared. Yeah. With legions behind him. Because, yeah. I mean, if y'all don't realize, that's where he's sitting today. Yes. He is in charge of legions. And, I mean, if you want to get into some crazy stuff, like, go. what, what most people think about angels oh, yeah. is so, not, so wrong. Not they the are the baddest warriors yeah. ever created. One of them took out how many guys? Um, what's the passage? Oh, I'm going to blank. It's going to kill me. I don't know. It took out, like, 3,500 people in one one angel, yeah. right? Like these are the baddest of the baddest, and God's and Jesus is their leader. Yeah, right. Like so, he could have come down and from day one as an infant, or or as you know, fully man at thirty three, could have come down and just started rolling, right? Yeah. But he didn't. He came to identify with us. Identify, right? He came to have the identity of a human, mm-hmm. right? So he could really truly know what we experience, what we go through, what we endure, the joys, the pain, the grief, all the things that in part make up who we are. It's our experiences that create us. Yeah. And it's what we choose to latch on to, right? Yep. That begins to shape our identity. The the environment in which we live in, you have you know, whether you had a good home that you grew up in or a bad home, of you know, broken home, what have you, like you're going to choose different things to grab onto and begin to call yourself. Yes. Right? You're going to begin to live out of the experiences that you've had. You're going to begin to set limitations on yourself. You're going to begin to set this idea of who you are, how you do things, how you're going to show up, you know, everything. Yep. And all that influence, God experienced. Yeah. Jesus experienced. He was tempted just as much as any of us. Yep. Right? And and yet he, 30 years, yep. 30 years and goes, you know, it's time. Yep. It's time for me to begin this process, this rescue mission. It's time to, you know, I've got three more years because he knew, right? Had to he's, have. he's Had omni, to have known. He, he, he's all knowing, omnipresent. I just, yep. I mean, all the things. Well, right? he wasn't omnipresent. Sorry, not present. <laughs> Jesus wasn't at that time. Yes. God and the Holy Spirit are. Yep. So, but, but. Because he, he again, he laid down some of his attributes, yep. some of his power, right, to better identify with us, and then, and then went to work, mm-hmm. right? Like he built his identity. God goes, "This is my son. I am with whom I'm well pleased." Yeah, and he got to work. Yep, which is what every man should be doing, right? Yeah. Build your identity and then get to work. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to start there. Yeah. And right. I would also say identity starts in your mind, right? Yeah. Identity is all in your head. It's choice. And, you know, and this is where, I mean, scripture, right? 
Um, we're transformed by the renewing of our habits. Nope, that's nope. not what it says. Nope. We're transformed by the renewing of our vision. Nope, Dang. not what it says. We're transformed by the renewing of our goals. Nope. Wrong. We're transformed by the renewing of our discipline and our willpower. Negative. Not how it is. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what is that exactly? Break that down. What is the renewing of our mind? We hear that all the time. What is that? I, I mean, there's a, I mean, we could, we could do a whole podcast For on sure. this one thing. But first of all, sum it up. Like, we have to understand that when we're saved, like, there is a, there's an attribute where we now have the mind of Christ, right? Now, whether you choose to re- embrace that and walk in that, that's, that is an entirely different story. But the renewing of our mind, right? And this is what also what I would want to point out is, is that, um, one, I have not done all of the study in the Greek as far as, because I know there are lots of different words for the things that we would all see in English as the same word. Mm-hmm. There are different words in the mm-hmm. Greek for it. Context. and yeah. But the thing that I love about that verse is we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, which implies that this is an ongoing process. Yes. Right? So part of the renewing of our mind is asking ourselves and slowing down and being self-aware enough of these thoughts that I am thinking about myself or this situation or the circumstance or whatever, where is this coming from? Is this a godly perspective that I now have access to? Or is this an old fleshly broken way of thinking, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we always say your identity ultimately comes from the Lord. It's not your opinion. Mm-hmm. It's from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it is a process of renewing that because like I said, with, with the guy that's been dealing with porn for 16 plus years, right? This is a process of renewing his mind. Mm-hmm. And this is where guys have to give themselves the permission to grow into that identity. It's not like you just snap your fingers, say these pretty words, and all of a sudden you just show up as this guy. Right. It is a process because, and this is where identity then discipline. Once you begin to walk out the things that you are latching onto as identity, you start to create the positive feedback loop to retrain your brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is literally all neuroscience. Mm-hmm. And this is why I love studying neuroscience because it backs up everything in scripture. Yeah. Uh, more or less, I would say everything in scripture validates what neuroscience is saying. Um, but it is, it is a process of removing the old ways of thinking, the old man, right? I mean, when scripture says anyone who comes to Christ is a new creation, mm-hmm. right? All, the old things have passed away. Behold, all have become, uh, everything is new. Mm-hmm. It is the process of what, is, what are those old things that died, right? And what people tend to do is, although this is dead old stuff, keep running back to they it. keep running back to it and grabbing yep. it and like putting on this disgust. Like, can you imagine like somebody's ripping the skin off an, a dead person and like putting it on themselves? <laughs> like that's essentially what you're sure, doing when you're running sure. back to your old dead man is you're like, I, I, I know this corpse is rotting in it over here but I'm going to go take it and put the mask on right now. Oh, it was like, the Egyptians wanting to go back to Egypt. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. It, it was scary where they were going or, or they didn't feel, you know, that, you know, they, they were so accustomed to the previous life. They were, they were too nervous to, yeah. to proceed forward in the yeah. new. And this is why we have guys read their identity code out loud every morning mm-hmm. because the scripture tells us that faith comes, faith comes by hearing. Mm-hmm. And so this is another way that you renew your mind mm-hmm. is you literally hear yourself. And th- at the end of the day, you have to realize like your brain is very similar to a computer. And 
you need it. It is the renewing of your mind is reprogramming the hardware. Like it is, it is, it's like downloading a new software repeatedly. And then all of a sudden the machine begins to work that way. I like it. So I, we got time for like maybe one more. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, the thing I'll add to that is it's just, I love this quote. It, you know, Martin Luther said, you know, all of a Christian's life is one of repentance, mm-hmm. right? Part of that is recognizing the, the sin, right? Mm-hmm. And learning and growing and repenting of it and replacing it with new habits, yep. new thoughts, gaining wisdom, right? And discernment. Um, it's, you know, being fervent in your prayer life, like all, all these practical things that we can do to build this, build upon yep. this new mindset, this new renewed mind, yep. feeding it with more knowledge. And that's why, you know, back to that, that first question, like we never stop learning and growing. Yeah. We should never stop. Like yep. once we've stopped, like we should be dead yeah. at that point. Like the, yeah. the, there's yep. no excuse to not continue to grow. I always, yeah. Right. Well, even to take the quote that you just said one step farther, I know I told you this the other day when we were on our call, but you know, all, is it like all of a Christian's life is that of repentance? One of repentance. One of repentance, yeah. right? If you actually transliterate the word repentance correctly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it does not mean turning from. Right. It means a change of mind. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, exactly. hold on a sec. So if you were to basically transliterate the repentance part in that, in that right there, all of a Christian's life is that one of changing their mind. Holy crap, this all starts to make a ton of sense, right? Yep. And everyone's like, well, no, repentance is turning from it. No, 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 no. It's changing your mind. And when you change your mind, you will naturally start to turn from things. So what people do is they focus on the, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing this. And I'm like, it's the guy with the porn problem, right? Yes. He just, he's not actually changing his mind. He's not yes. renewing his mind. He's just trying to stop doing what he's doing, which is not yeah. a successful recipe. And, and that's where when people are like, you don't have a this problem, you have a sin problem. I'm like, I don't know if I fully agree with that because your mind and where it is at is going to cause you to do those things, right? So it's a repentance problem, which is not a just a turning from. That is part just of it. Magically stopping. It is a changing of your mind problem. How? How? Because... The, the, the change of mindset is what enables the how. Yes. It enables the success. And that's where for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, how about we accept the identity that scripture says that we're the righteousness of God? Holy crap. If, I'm, if I see myself as the righteousness of God, what, how does the righteousness of God talk to his wife? How does the righteousness of God, what does the righteousness of God look at when no one else is looking? How does the righteousness of God talk? How does the righteousness of God show up here, here, and here? How does the righteousness of God walk into a room, right? It, when you adopt the things that the Lord says about you and you actually internalize them, you cannot do anything but turn in the right direction and live differently. The problem is, is that when a person sees themselves as a porn addict, you cannot simultaneously hold two identities. Correct. This is why when people say, oh, I'm, just a, I'm just a sinner. Says who? Not the Bible. Nope. Last I checked, like you've been redeemed. You're the righteousness of God, a holy priesthood, set apart nation. You are not a sinner, my friend. Amen. You may still sin. That is not who you are. Right. And as long as you see yourself as that, you will always keep living that way. So the porn dude, I'm like, look, you still must see yourself as an addict. Because, and even, I mean, this person posted something today about, you know, their heart being renewed. 
right? And it shows me that they truly don't believe that when they came to Christ in original repentance, that they believed his heart was renewed because mm. God just re- renewed my heart this morning. I'm mm. like, homeboy, whenever you got saved, he did that. Right. And it might be now that you are finally accepting that truth and that identity. Heart of flesh, yep. Right? Now you're accepting that, and now we might see something different. But it all comes back to what, do you actually believe what God said? That's it. Yep. Right? And guess what? Do you actually believe what God said? You want to know who the first person was to pull that trick? (laughs) The devil. Yep. With Eve. Did God really say? Well, I mean, that's his move. That's what we just talked about he did with Jesus. Yep. That's his move. That's it's his, his one move. move. That's it's his, his one move. It's to get you to be confused or doubt what God said. Yeah. He did it with Eve at the very beginning yep. and wrecked it all. Yep. And he tried doing it with Jesus and he's been doing it with everybody since. Yep. If he can get you to doubt what God said, he will win. End of story. It comes down to your identity, about the things God's telling you to do, everything. And if you can fight that with truth and scripture, and accept the real identity of what God has said about you, your life will never be the same. Yeah. And the enemy, he has no ground. Yep. Because every time he comes, you're just like, whatever. That's not, that's not true. Another identity one, as far as an example in scripture, I think of Peter. What did he, what he call? What, he, what was he called? Rock, well, I mean, build my church upon the rock. Uh-huh. Like, and this is the guy that denied him three times. Yep. Right? Hey, let's live out of this identity instead. Yep. And what did Peter do in, in the end? Bro, rock and roll. And hung upside down on a cross because he wasn't good enough, he felt, to be yes. murdered like Christus, uh, Christ was. Yep. I mean, you talk about going from coward who denied Christ to a teenage girl Yep. to hang me upside down, make yep. it worse. Yep. Because I am the rock because yep. God called me to be. Yep. And I believe. Yep. That's who I am. That th- this is who I am. Yep. I mean, no better example, yep. in my opinion. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different ways. I, yes. I, we could talk, I could talk about this crap for hours. Yep. Um, but it, it is, it, it, it's absolutely life-changing. Anyways, we've been talking for 75 minutes. Woo! We got work to go do on your house. Yes, we do. I actually have a phone call. I'm supposed to hop on with somebody here in a few minutes. Check. But get me going on a Q&O or a Q&R or a Q&A, and all of a sudden... <laughs> no Q&Ons, please. But <laughs> No Q&Ons. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Great. Now this episode is going to be censored. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. Well, if any of you actually do hear this episode now... There you go. We could edit this. I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyways, guys, appreciate you hanging out with us for this yeah. long. Um, again, if you want to actually learn how to change your identity, create that, and walk in a different life... Um, that is what we do at the Iron Society. We build men of God to dominate life. And how we do that is we take you through a very systematic process of defining and refining your identity, getting your body to be a savage, and then taking that into spiritual growth and then releasing you into every area of your life to absolutely dominate. Um, and we're seeing it happen all the time, which is cool. Yep. Um, so it's just, it's a very intensive process. Um, I'll tell you right now, like um, if you're, you know, a cheap son of a gun, or you don't want to, if you don't want to pay money or you don't want to pay in sacrifice or you don't want to pay in time, um, you can just keep living an average life and sucking at being a husband and father. Uh, but if you actually want to leave a great legacy and build a great legacy, um, those are the kind of guys we work with. So, um, and we're seeing guys do that. So if that's, if that's what you want, um, the iron society is where you want to be and you can reach out to us or just go to iron 
And you can apply there, and one of us will call you to make sure you're a good fit because we don't let no jokers in. That's nope. all. We hold standard. Yeah, and if, and if they do come in, we kick them out. Because <laughs> I'm not spending my time around that. So, anyways, love you guys. We will talk to you next week. Out. Hey, one thing before you go, if you got any value out of today's episode, we would so appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast, as well as, hey, take a picture with your phone of you listening, take a screenshot and post it to social media. Go ahead and tag me at Cody Chapman, and you can tag Nick as well at the Nick Milligan. Also, if you want to learn more about the Iron Society, you can head on over to ironsociety.co to learn more. We'll see you next week.